Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Vitals podcast, where we talk about important stuff and how that stuff connects to food, because everything connects to food. I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. And I'm Jacob Reed, the son, and we're your hosts. So I have a confession to make, sort of uh, like we were in a, a church basement mm-hmm. having a little uh, 12-step program. Um, There's so, stale coffee all around. Right. My name is Jay, and I'm a bookaholic. Hi, Jay. Hi. I'm addicted, and it's an it's it's an early uh, the addiction started early, and uh, just like Doctor, you know, if I was on the Doctor Phil or the Mari show, um, I blame my mother, and also somewhat I blame Debbie Wade. So Debbie, I don't know if you listen to this or not, but I'm sure we'll tag you. So you'll you'll hear this, but it's it's a positive thing. Um, my mother has always been a big reader, and so I grew up to be a big reader. Our house was full of books. It's still, still full, full of books. books. And I'll tell you just a little side note. I was looking. My mother was helping me today, trying to track down some Amazon charges, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get her in trouble because I know my father also listens to this. I hope he does anyway. Um, and I was looking. Th- through her Amazon purchases, trying to find one of mine. And there was a lot of books (laughs) coming to her on Amazon. That's a little strange because she's such a proponent of like the library. So maybe I'm just not sure about the like sheer quantity of books that she's consuming. Well, keep in mind that we are recording this, uh, Pretty much still pretty deep into quarantine. I didn't think about that. The she's, library is closed. She's burned through all of her library books at this point. That's right, one. and you can't even return them right now. It's forbidden to return the books. I have a book that I checked out to read before this all started and before the due date came. It The library said, we're closing, don't, don't come back till May. So I don't think they've even opened yet. That's wild. But that's kind of my history, and I want to explain the Debbie Wade part because... Debbie is a well-known fixture on Mississippi State's campus. I have no idea who this woman is. Oh, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> She's going to... Anyway, she... <laughs> oh, boy, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but Sorry, who? Debbie. Um, Debbie was the children's librarian at the time when I was probably in late elementary school, maybe early, middle, junior high, that time, I believe. And... We had the summer reading program at the library. So you go up at the beginning of the summer and you set a goal for how many books you would read in the mm. summer. And if So you, for you, it was like 600 because Grant was like, you could probably sneak in a couple more. There, there were, The number was high and I always met my goal. And Debbie did, did cool things too. Like she would bring in Mississippi State basketball players and to talk to the kids. And mm-hmm. so I have, these, I have an autograph collection too oh. um, that came with the books. And I'm like Jeff Malone. And, and he, he was like a pretty, one of Mississippi State's most famous mm-hmm. um, players that went on to pro. So anyway, fun times there. So Debbie contributed to my addiction. My mom definitely contributed to my addiction. My grandmother, even though she didn't like push me to read, she, her, her house was full of books as mm-hmm. well. So we come from a reading family. And that shows I actually went around our house the other night. You were looking at me like I was crazy and like, Dad, what are you what are you doing? Oh, that's what you were when doing. I was bouncing around the house. I was counting books. Okay. Tear, care to take a guess how many books are in our 
home. Now, some of them are your sisters, some of them are yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to take a, a gander? I'm gonna go a solid, solid five fifty. You're so low. How many? Approximately thirteen hundred books. Is that counting the ones in the garage? Yes, that counts the ones in the garage. Okay, I was thinking merely in the house. No, so. the, the the garage counts. There's still books that I've read or one day, Lord help me, help to read. Wow, that is actually really impressive. Thirteen hundred. I actually counted about twelve fifty, and then I realized, okay, there's. Remember last week when we were under cleaning under the beds, we found a couple of yeah, we did find uh, totes full of books. Yeah, and so when you count, when you throw those in, I'm rounding it up to about thirteen hundred books. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. I definitely am not quite the book of Holic as you are, merely for the mere sake. Wow, that was a lot of merely me- for the mere sake. There was a lot of mirrors in there, but <laughs> merely for the meerkat manner. <laughs> we actually did watch that as a family. Um, I just haven't had as much time as you. Um, I really enjoy books. My library jumped from like one, two books to I would probably say I have a solid hundred and hundred and fifty, maybe maybe yeah. somewhere in that range. Well, you've got probably ten or fifteen Black Stallion books. Yeah, but all that happened within two years a lot of the ones that i have at my my house a lot of that was bought within two years so i'm I'm starting to move that way i'm going to marry an english teacher we were actually sitting at our we were packing me up um and she was like i know you hate to hear this but we may have to leave some of the books in mississippi because we just won't have place for them in north carolina and that just kind of hurt a little bit because like you buy all these books you want to show them but then she's also coming in with books. Uh-huh. So it's like, how do we decide what books are the most important books? Well, you have to take the ones that you're going to use at school. So, but, but that's probably a conversation for later. You could also stack them up and put a board on top of it and call it a coffee table. At this yeah. point, that's where we may be. <laughs> Everything needs to be multifunctional. There's always a way. I need this one book. Honey, hold the table. <laughs> slide it out. Try to find one the right size to slide back in. Right, right. So I know a few years ago we looked at you, I think I bought you a uh, like a moleskin type notebook to keep mm-hmm. up with certain things. Why don't mm-hmm. you tell me about that? Remind me what I bought you. Uh, so it's called the Moleskin Book Journal. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty much what it says. It has each page is it has like a place for the title, when you read it, author, language, original language. Mm-hmm date of publication, first edition, if it's a first uh-huh. edition or not. And then they have a section for notes. Like notes, yeah. And then thoughts and, re- and reviews. So you and write have, your you had, have you used it very much? I'm guessing no. I'm absolutely the worst because it, it's not as quick of a... Right. It's not like you typically it's not digital. do. It's not digital, but also I've started following in your steadfast... Or in your... <laughs> My what? <laughs> I have started to follow in your steps... By taking the big note cards that you just write every book, right, right. Um, which is a lot faster than going through trying to Definitely. find the publication date is, do I own a first edition? And then the notes section, this is going to hurt the whole two bibliophiles out there, but I like to write in books. I like to scribble notes. I like to underline. I like Ooh. to highlight because I feel like a book is meant to be I, one of my favorite pastors, uh, J.D. Greer, um, he had a podcast episode on reading books, and he was like, you don't read a book without a pen in hand. Mm. I've kind of graduated. I, I'm I'm like I'm like the person that you mentioned, whatever you said, a bibliophile, something. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like to write in them. 
unless it's like a paperback and you know it doesn't have any value as far as I don't resale. write it. I don't write in hardbacks. Right. So what I've decided, what I finally started doing is I'll take the little tiny um, post-it notes, mm-hmm. the ones that they don't say sign here, but that size. Yeah. And I will tag like the page or the paragraph where I want to remember something mm-hmm. and, and go where I can easily find it. Uh, where sometimes the tags get heavy. There, there's a lot of them in some mm-hmm. books. I really do like though when I get books secondhand, because um, a lot of the books that I buy are like theological books. Mm-hmm. So you can get them secondhand sometimes, and when you open them, you see like old people's notes and stuff. And sometimes they're like really, really good. When like scrolling on margin, it's like somebody's thought, and you're like, "That's a really good thought. I didn't think mm-hmm. about that." So that's kind of like my oh, thought. Cool. That's my thought when I do that, because. Or maybe you read, oh, this person was a heretic. I mean, I've actually <laughs> done that as well. Really? But it, it is cool to just to like see some stuff and see what somebody else thought about a book before that you now own. So it kind of has like right. a history to it. That's cool. Well, that's similar to when you and I were in Atlanta not long, too terribly long ago. We were in a sort of a vintage antique store mm-hmm. and there was a, a book called How to Make Candy. And in the front of it, it had like a book plate where it told who owned it when they bought it or when mm. it was given to them as a gift. And then it had re- other other recipes. I mean, it's a whole book of recipes, but mm. it had recipes written in hmm. the side of the book as well, up in the front flyleaf. So I, I know exactly what you mean, just different uh, genre. Yeah, I got some different different books in there. Right, so you mentioned the index cards, and that's one of the things that uh, I would say I'm kind of unique and some friends of mine that – that are on my other podcasts have absolutely made fun of me about oh, yeah. was that I've been keeping up with everything I read since about 1989. So it was a 31, 32 years. I wasn't even a glimmer in your eye yet. Not even. Um, I was still in college then. And um, yeah, so you were, you were a long way from being a glimmer, mm-hmm. but I started keeping up with the titles, the authors and the sort of the genre. Mm-hmm. And I don't keep, I mean, I still do that. Um, and I went through just a little while ago and the other thing they made fun of me of on guys of a certain age was the fact that not just that I kept up with everything, but that I had it all in a Microsoft access database, old school. Right. And I said, so these are, these are guys who are more tech savvy than me. And I was like, so what do I do to, you know, what kind of Apple program, Mac program can I, you know, migrate this information to? Mm -hmm. And they're like, there is none. <laughs> You're done. So I luckily I have one old laptop that still functions and the the program was on it and I printed everything out before, you know, everything mm, crashed. That's good. So I was able to look at that and my current list and would you like to take a guess at about how many books I've read since nineteen eighty nine? I've heard the And num- not uh I mean this is this is everything that I recorded. There was a few years where I didn't write everything down. I've I've heard this number before because I am a listener to the other podcast. What is it like? Yeah, we three, appreciate you. Three, four thousand. Oh gosh, no. Oh gosh, no, 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 no. Maybe that's grand that I'm thinking. That's probably out. probably so. Now I've read about a thousand. There's and, a difference between the number that you own and the number that you have bought. Well, the number that I've read is close to the number that are in the house, but. Ironically, there's a lot in the house that I still haven't read. So you got your library books, mm-hmm. you got books that other people own, books that I borrowed from you, books that I borrowed from yeah. my mom. So I mean, there's there's tons of other resources for mm-hmm. these books, but I think it's safe to say I love books. Yeah, and I would. I mean, I do like to watch TV, and there's so many streaming now and all this stuff. And every time I get together with Art and Robbie, they talk about things that are 
you know, we need to watch this. We need to watch that. And I do want to watch all that, but also want to read. And, you know, it's just time. Well, read is, reading is like a oppor- – It is your name. It's my name too. Um, but it is a opportunity where you can still get enjoyment in a lot of things, but it's not going vegetable before a TV <laughs> screen or a computer screen. Like you're right. actually learning things. Um, engaging your brain engaging your brain all that stuff not saying that there's not bad writing because there's bad forms of all forms of art but i was reading i was listening to another podcast um and they were talking about like developing sermons but they were talking about how pastors who read fiction are better sermon writers because fiction writing is a lot more creative with word usage and mm-hmm. word like what type of types of words they use. Yeah, and I think our uh, one of our favorite seminary professors, Karen Swallow Pryor, would agree with that. In fact, she's written. I, we mentioned this back in season one, I believe, at the end of season oh. one or beginning of season two, long time ago. Um, she wrote, or she's written several books, as far as I'm aware, that use classic literature or 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 books that are we call fiction or poetry or whatever, not your classic theological text, yeah. basically. Uh, to but those books can still give you principles for mm-hmm. life. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with that. She actually just recently came out with some projects. I saw that where she took, I think a a, a couple Jane Austen novels, yeah, and stuff like, like that. that, and she wrote prefaces to them about how to properly read them. Right, exactly. And they they look. If anything, they're very pretty to look at. Like it's really nice cover work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I feel like I'm sure picking up one of well, two of those. Well written. I've never well. read Pride or Prejudice, and I think it's about time that I had to. Okay, well you let me know how that goes. Yeah, I'll let, I will. <laughs> Maybe Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. That was a classic. There you go. So what genre do you generally focus on? Like if you're, if I find you with a book, are you reading just one book at a time, or are you reading several books at a time, and what would they be? I. I know everybody says that you should be reading multiple books at a time. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. A lot of people do, and there's a lot of discussion to be had in that. I typically try to just read one book at a time, and I tr- I'm i like you. I'm a finisher. So when I start a book, even if I don't like it, I want to finish it for the mere sake of finishing. Yeah, I'm going say Because I don't like leaving things hanging out there. There's some things that I've started and like have not finished. The Confessions of St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Augustine, whatever you want to say. Um, the copy that I own is an old English copy, so it's yeah. extremely difficult to read. So I bought a Kindle version of a lot much easier translation translation, just so I can read it and finish it. Gotcha. That's interesting. I was just listening to a sermon from my friend Rob who was talking about Augustine the other day. So that's, yeah. that's... But typically, if my, that answer helps you with anything, a lot of the time it's theological books. So I'm looking at... Kids ministry books, classic Christian literature. I just finished Mere Christianity mm-hmm. the other day, uh, yesterday. So it's typically that, or on the complete opposite end, I'm talking fantasy fiction. I was going to say, when you walk into your room now and look on your dresser, it's, it's a not lot theological books. Because a lot of the books that are currently in my room were from when I was younger. When I'm true, I bought pretty much exclusively fiction. But as I've grown up, I've moved more towards the theological realm just because that's kind of what I want to do with my career but I like to alternate like heavier reading with like fiction books so I'll go back and forth so I'm reading right now 
I'll read one or two theological books, and then I'll flip over to I'm reading a, a series about dwarves right now. Okay. So I'll just flip back and forth. Yeah, I think I'm, I mean, going back to my list, I used to, well, not used to could, not used to did, but I still do write uh, down what their genre is. So I had it all divided into faith, which would be like your theological stuff, uh, uh, fiction, which of course yeah. you know, um, family, which that'd be like a marriage book or a parenting book or something like that. I need to start reading more of those. Right. And then pretty much anything that didn't fall into one of those was function. And so that would be your creative nonfiction or whatever. And then uh, in the last few years, I've added food. So now I have the five Fs. The five Fs. I have actually recently really gotten into reading children's books mm-hmm. um, with me wanting to be a kids minister. I'll have a good selection of those. Yeah. One of the recommenda- recommendations that a couple kids ministers had was start now reading children's material for when you actually get your first job. So when parents come to you saying like, hey, what can I teach uh-huh. my children? You can be like, here, observe this part of the library. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff has been read by me mm-hmm. and is, a lot of them are Christian books, but mm-hmm. like all are good materials to teach your kids something about God. So um, one of my f- favorites will be one, so we'll get to it later, but okay. there's a bunch of different resources and Okay. It's amazing how much information you can pack into what would be is legally considered a children's book. Oh yeah, and how pictures and art can influence things. So it's been really interesting. Yeah, I started collecting children's books as a as as a single guy. I mean, I I had on one hand I had all the VHS copies of the Disney movies and ah, that sort classics. of thing, and but then I was also buying children's books. There was a bookstore down the road from us uh, in Asheville where I lived in uh, North Carolina, and I think, I think it was called The Little Professor or something like that. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And uh, the the bookstore owner was one of our customers at the pharmacy, so I was down there all the time, and she knew I liked children's books, so she would recommend things to me. Mm. But I think my all-time favorite is, as far as children's books, because the most fun to read was Tiki Tiki Timbo, No Rimbo, Barry Pimbo, something like that. But my all-time favorite children's book is The Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, I I don't know if I've ever actually read that myself. I think you may have read that to me. I'm sure I have. But the ones that stick out to me are Tiki Tiki Timbo, No Star Rambo, Charari, Bucci, Pip, Berry, Pimbo. Just because it's like... <laughs> you don't have to say the whole thing. I know, but it, it's it's difficult to do. Um, and then The Giving Tree was definitely one yes. that sticks out to me. That's a, that's a really classic piece of kids Absolutely. literature. Yeah, that's a good one. So if I am to randomly stumble upon you reading a book... Um, what are you typically reading? Well, it's I, I do try to go back and forth for sure. Um, I like to, I guess if I'm if I'm going on vacation, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have a stack of fiction books. I'm going to look through my library and pick one or two that I haven't read yet. I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to find a Clive Cussler or you know if, if a Grisham book has just come out, I'm going to have that. We've got all the Grisham books. So I'm going to have a stack of fiction, and I can fly through those. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I, I've, 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 I've bounced back and forth. For example, uh, I recently read uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. A great piece of literature. Which is a great faith book and also just fascinating. It was about a kind of about apologetic, so I'm interested in that. Uh, and it was just well written. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. just, it was easy to read. It He's was an incredible writer. Yeah, I mean, it was a book you had to think about. But I wanted to keep going back and back to it. Mm-hmm. Very right readable. now I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. And again, it's a, for lack of a better word, I hate to call it a self-help book, but it's it a kind of is. It's a self-help book. Um, 
and it is also very readable so far. I'm only two, three chapters in, but I'm finding it fascinating um, so far. Um, before that, I'm trying to think. I've read, um, I do, I mean, I'm probably going to have a food book every two or three books mm-hmm. that I read. Um, I recently read the, it was a novel, but the novel called Chocolate. Uh, it was made into a movie with Johnny Depp many years ago. Um, what, well, what I enjoyed about that was it was based in France, and so there was all these French foods and mm-hmm. chocolates and, and, and words that, that I didn't know. So that's one thing that I really recommend for anybody who really likes to read is to keep a dictionary nearby. Now, these days, all you got to pull up your smartphone and you can go to dictionary.com I like to use Amazon Alexa for that. Do you? Okay. You, can just, you can just read the word to her and she'll tell you exactly what it means. It's oh, pretty cool. interesting. Well, if, um, I guess she speaks French too. Huh? Uh, there's probably a solid guess that she can. But that's what I, I really have found that very useful. When I come across a word that I don't understand, I don't just blow, blow through it. I try to look it up right mm-hmm. then. Um, I've mentioned John T. Edge on this podcast before and some of his books, and he is just a wordsmith. And it's I almost always need a dictionary with him, not for everything, but um, he uses a wide variety of words and well placed, and mm-hmm. so that's I mean that's just something that I like to do. But I, you know, it's not going to all be food books, but but I did while I was going around and counting books in general, I also took account of of that sort of thing. I've got 90 plus cookbooks and that's just all kinds of cookbooks. And it could be like, I'm, I'm making, uh, I'm showing Jacob here, uh, how thick one of them is. And it's what, two or three inches thick. I would say so it's all three uh, inches thick. Yeah. So that's deep run roots by, uh, Vivian, chef Vivian Howard that we talked about in a previous episode. Big fans here. Um, and I have several others like that, like the joy of cooking, which is a classic, mm-hmm. uh, two or three others that are thick like that. Some of them are super thin. You know, they're just a little community thing. Maybe it's a, one of those spiral bound. I have a lot of those. But still 90 plus cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are just straight up recipes. And some of them are stories along with recipes. And I met a guy at the last SFA, the Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium. And we were just hanging out talking. And we figured out we had some stuff in common. He said, oh, by the way, I've you know signed some books up at Square Books in Oxford if you want to uh, you know grab one. And so I did. Um, so 90 plus cookbooks. And then I went around and looked at books that would not be necessarily called cookbooks, but that are books about food, food. books and I had about 50 of those. And they can range from like the chocolate, like the novel. Mm. Um, I read another food novel that one of the girls from, I can't remember her name right off, but, um, she was on the next food network star back when they still did that on Food Network, and uh, she was a food novelist, and hers was really good. Uh, and then you have, like, some that are about techniques. I've got a Harold McGee book. He's, like, the premier or one of the premier food science guys as far as, you know, why things are happening the way they're happening. Okay. Um, and, you know, I went to, when we were in New Orleans last, I got a book about, like, the five or six major restaurants that influenced the rest of the restaurant world in America. Um, pretty much anything fascinates me. I have, mm. I, I, I don't get tired of it. Um, I read food journals. You know, I, I used to subscribe to Bon Appetit and Food and Wine, and maybe another one. I, I used to get Gardening Gun, so there was just I was getting all this intake, and I honestly just didn't have time to read it all. I know, but I know uh, exactly where we keep them in the house. <laughs> yes, I have a few in Southern Living as well. So yeah, I'm kind of a, a junkie when it comes to that, as I confessed earlier. 
Oh, for sure. But for certainly sure. a lot of a lot of variety. Alright, y'all, y'all know what those drum beats mean. It is now time for our favorites. So, Dad, what is your favorite for this week? I'm gonna recommend a group of books, a series. Okay. And I think the you'd call the series the Mitford series. The what f- series? Mitford. Mitford. M-I-T-F-O-R-D. Thank you. Uh, they are a series primarily of novels. Okay. That are written by Jan Karen, K-A-R-O-N. And they're not the typical kind of novel that I would read normally, but someone gave it to me, maybe my mom, I can't remember who gave me the first one. And shortly after that, my friend Diane emailed me and said, hey, I think you would really enjoy these books. By that time, I was already reading them. Mm -hmm. So they follow the story of a guy named Father Tim. And one of the things that's fascinating me as I've read this series is that Father Tim and I have so much in common. So I'll give you an example. Father Tim was raised in Mississippi. Okay. He's he raised in Holly Springs. I mean, of course, this is fictional, but he was raised in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Um, he was a, I believe, Episcopalian priest or Anglican. Okay. I can't remember exactly what his... Uh, Something with a collar. Denomination, yeah, was. But um, it was more high church than, than Southern Baptist, for sure. Gotcha. Um, and so he... Uh, Midford is in North Carolina. Okay. And if it's not dead in the mountains is close to the mountains mm-hmm. so which same as me i went from mississippi to Asheville, north carolina you did in the mountains um he was a priest i was not a priest but i definitely have some some ministry vocational ministry background mm-hmm. and then he he married much later in life than i did but mm-hmm. i did i was single for five or six years after college before i met your mother and yeah and uh, and got married. So same thing with him. He ended up marrying a blonde woman from New York. You I married, married a, a blonde, blonde woman, woman from, from New, York. New York. And so it just went on and on and on. I mean, I mean, those are the primary things, but they just really grabbed me that Tim, Father Tim, and I had so much in common. Was he a was he a private investigator or something along those no, lines? Not really a private investigator. Okay. Not that kind of not that kind of father. Gotcha. Tim. It wasn't a Father Tim mystery. Gotcha, gotcha. There were some mysteries in it, but that, that wasn't his thing. But there was a cake that featured prominently um, Esther somebody, I think. It was an orange marmalade cake. And you, don't you really like orange marmalade cakes? Well, we made one. Um, actually, we is not me. Um, I'm, your mother and my mother got together one time, and, mm. and we have the cookbook now. And we they made this orange marmalade cake, and it was delicious. Um, but it takes a lot of work. I'm sure. Um, and that's one thing, too, that kind of ties Mitford to the food. Because even though Father Tim was diabetic, and if he ate too much uh, marmalade cake, he would, you know, he went into a little coma. Um, <laughs> which we don't have that in common at the moment, unless I keep eating, and then I might. Uh, but he, um, so there's a cookbook, and there's also several books of quotes that, you know, Father Tim was a big quote collector. And Interesting. Same as me. I have you know, written books of things that I've copied down quotes in. And I have um, two or three, four or five different like books of quotes that I've collected over the years. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, with surprises with 1300 books, you there's bound to be, there's some, bound to be some in there. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing. Um, just fully wholeheartedly, unashamedly, unapologetically, 
recommend the Mitford series. And the thing is, it just makes you feel good about life. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's funny, it's poignant, sometimes it's a little sad, but it is a book that just makes those any all those books just make me happy to read. I just relax when I read them. That's awesome. Uh, so my favorite for this week is a book um, by one of my favorite rappers uh, named Shy Lin. Uh, he is a Christian rapper, raps a lot about the gospel and stuff, but he made a he wrote a book called God Made Me and You. And I can't think off the top of my hand or off the top of my head <laughs> the name of the illustrator. Um, but basically this is a book all about uh, racial reconciliation in the church and it dives into God made me and you. And it's written in almost like a poetry like thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like of his background as a rapper. So it's a lot of poetic devices, a lot of rhyme schemes throughout it. So it's very, very beautiful, beautifully written and very easy to read and very simplistic drawings, but they fit really well. And it dives into, why people are different colors and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty thin, but it's almost it's a part of a whole series. Like God made my body, so talking to children about how to properly like this is my body and mm-hmm. this is why God made my body and like you should not touch my body because and the rapper wrote this too. No, no, no. It's part of okay. the illustrator is it's the same illustrator. So she's the common tie. Gotcha. But he just happened to write this one okay. because of his background. Um, I think there's three ones. I don't know what the third one is, but basically all following that line about how God made each of us to be unique for young ears to hear. And it's got a really cool section in the back where it's like, how do we do this biblically? Mm -hmm. So he has scripture basis for everything and like some challenges. And he's like, for some of you parents, this book is almost as neat as for you as it is for Mm -hmm. your kids. So like, here's how, here's like a little bit of information for the parents at the end. Okay. On how to do this properly. So hopefully the whole family gets involved, not just the kid thinking, oh, I need to do this. Nice. So it's really interesting. Cool. Well, I think we should make note here before we wind down that, you know, we you have a Kindle, which you recently re-picked back up. I pick it up every once in a while. Yeah, and I have a like a fire Kindle thing. and, and You never there, use it. There are books on it. I have a Kindle app and there are books on it. I rarely use it. But don't be... If you're a a book a paper book person like I am, and I think you are too. Oh, Andrew, for sure. If you're that person, don't fret because just in 2019 alone, I read that there was oh, where's my paper? Um, something like 600 and here it is, 689 million units sold, and that's printed book sales mm-hmm. in 2019. So I don't think that traditional books are, are going to go away in our lifetime. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast and think others might enjoy it too, please share, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you found us. And they are legion. You can find us on the worldwide interweb at Vittle Vital Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Vittles and Vitals Podcast on Facebook. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea of a subject you'd like to hear us cover, shoot us a message. And remember, if it's vital, look for the Vittles.